This is the Wisdom for Life podcast with Pastor Glenn. Here's another episode called Passing the Ball of Encouragement. Hey, would you turn your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews 3, 13. We're starting a brand new series called March Gladness. And uh, this morning we're going to be talking about using a basketball metaphor of the past. We're talking about passing along encouragement. Passing along encouragement. You know, how many of you know that you could be saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, on fire for God, and still get discouraged? I mean, I've been there. You've been there. It is so essential that the body of Christ understand that encouragement is really our commitment. It's a mandate from the Lord to do in people's lives. Everybody say encouragement. It's a big deal. And in each part of the series, there's going to be a phrase I'm going to use. And I'm going to use it this morning, and I'd like you to repeat it when I'm done. I'll give you the cue though, okay? Here it is. What I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. Okay? Let's say it together. What I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. That means if you take what little encouragement you have, maybe you've just got a seed of it, and you make that happen for others, you encourage someone else, rather than expecting someone to come to you first, you go to them first and encourage them first. God will see what you do for others, and God will make that happen for you. Yeah. How many of you know that sometimes the thing that pulls us out of discouragement the most is just encouraging other people, man? That's really what it's all about, and I want to teach you about that this morning. This is going to set you free. It's going to help you. It's going to bless you today. Before we get into the text, I just want to say a few things about basketball. My team, the Door Village Eagles, was coached by Mr. Flag. We were the smallest basketball team in LaPorte, Indiana. My team in the smallest school, the smallest basketball team, went all the way to the city championship because of Coach Flagg. And he taught us some fundamental things about basketball. And on that team were some incredible players. We had this kid that had some kind of weird disease, and I still remember his name. I hope you don't catch it on the radio, but his name was Bob Gervais. Bob Gervais, I swear he had six fingers. This dude was massive, huge. In the sixth grade, he was almost six feet tall. Now, he was held back a couple years, but forget about that. Bob Gervais was massive and scary. He was our center. We had two guards that went on to play college basketball. They were awesome. One was um, Danny Rosenbaum, and I'm going all the way back, man, like 30 years here. I know one was Danny Rosenbaum, and he had the speed, man. Yours truly was the power forward. I was amazing at being forward, okay? I would just... But we had Bob Gervais. He wasn't real smart, but he was scary, and that's all it took to take us. We had speed and strength, and that was it. And we went all the way to the city championships. Now, I don't know if you remember suicides or not. If you ever played ball in school, which you, oh yeah. We'd run those suicides all Saturday morning. And then we'd do the weave. Anybody ever do the weave on your basketball team? 
where you'd pass the ball and weave in and out. Come on, brother. We do the weave. Coach Flag was he was he was all about the fundamentals. And he took an entire four Saturdays in a row, and all we did was pass the ball. Say pass the ball. So all we did was pass the ball. I was going insane. And when Bob Gervais would pass the ball to me, it would knock me out. Several times I'd get smacked with it because he wouldn't pass the ball. He'd throw the ball and it would just, you know, the guy was, he was massive. He was strong. He was fast. All we did was pass the ball. And Coach Flagg taught us kids this. Here's what he taught us. Don't ever, ever, ever be a ball hog. And I want to help you with that this morning. There's some spiritual ball hogs in the church of God. There's nothing worse than being a ball hog. Passing the ball is the way to win the game. Passing along encouragement is the way for the church to grow. But there's some spiritual moments in our life. We get into seasons where we, we're a ball hog. We want encouragement to be passed to us, but we don't give it up to anybody else. And I want to help us with that this morning. Encouragement is so important. It's fundamental to winning the game. Why? Because gravity is the constant in life. It's everywhere. What goes up must come what? Down. Down is the default or the, or the pull of life. You see, by default, life pulls you down. By default. Uplifting others takes commitment to do in a fallen world. To stay up takes work and effort. If you're expecting life to someday be naturally uplifting, that is not going to happen. We all need to pass the encouragement from time to time through encouraging words. In fact, in the Bible, and you'll, you'll, you'll hear this later on in the message, there's three Greek words for encouragement, and here's what they mean. Here's three of them. Number one, encouragement means to give a word, to speak a word into someone's spirit. It also means to lift someone. You can literally lift someone. You know, our words are like elevators. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It also means to come alongside and be their battle partner. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute. The Holy Spirit does all these three things in our lives as well. But the Holy Spirit wants you to do the same thing in the lives of people around you. He wants you to encourage Him. He wants you to lift Him up. Now, every one of us has a moment or a day where we become a Debbie Downer. Or a negative Ned. Or critical, carry. It takes words of encouragement. Many times we don't speak words of encouragement. We think it's our job to let people know just how ridiculous they are. And we show up to let them know, don't we? We've done that in our life. Encouragement takes all of us. And we've got to resist that desire to bring people down. We've got to be behind the past. Now this morning, before we get to our text, I just want to see if you've got the ability to do this as a church. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's he going to do? Uh, hope that don't hurt you. Look up, look up. This will teach you to stay awake in my services. I want you to hold on to that ball, please. Please. I can't do that. I have to touch it. Hold on. Thank you. Thank you. Can anyone follow, follow instructions, please? Yes. Yes, you can. You can follow instructions. Give it up for Adam. Everybody, yes. <laughs> All right. All I want you to do is pass it. I don't want you to bat it. I just want you to pass it to somebody. Go ahead. Just keep passing it. Pass the ball. 
Pass it and catch it. Come on, pass the ball. Yeah, okay, there it hit the floor. Don't let it hit the floor. Pass the ball. No, don't hit it. Okay, yeah, we're not playing volleyball. We're playing basketball. Pass the ball. There you go. There you go. Some of you are going, what in the world is going on at church this morning? What is happening today? Somebody pass me the ball. Yeah, I'm right here. Pass me the ball. <laughs> I feel like Dora. I feel like Dora the Explorer. Pass me the ball now. <laughs> Just want to take a guesstimate this morning. How many, you know, by the way, it doesn't take much to entertain you guys. You haven't smiled and laughed this much in a long time. It's just like, wow, you know. I'm coming to your house with some beach balls. That's all it takes. I want you to think about how many people pass the ball. Maybe 20, maybe 15 or 20. That's how many times. You know, you know what they say? Studies show that it takes 15 people to lift someone up with encouragement. Say 15. It takes 15 people to lift someone up with encouragement. But it only takes one negative Ned to come along and pop it, right? And bring all the air out. It only takes one person. Right now it should pop, but it's not. It's not popping. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out of air. It only takes one person to discourage us, right? But it takes 15 to lift us up. Now think about this for a minute. If you're in a church and you come in and you've got a bad day, and you don't lift up others, what is that going to do to their life? You could be the one, even though 15 people have done what they were supposed to do in the Lord, you could be the one that undoes it all. You could be the one. And that's what Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 is really all about. I call it the desire to inspire. Hebrews 13, it says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, how do we keep that from happening? How do we keep people from turning from God? Is that interesting to you? It is to me. I want to keep people from turning from God. Watch this. Verse 13. But encourage one another. How many? How often? Day, how often? Daily. Some of you, you got enough in you for once a month. Or maybe once a week. In order to keep people from falling away, from walking away from the Lord daily. This is a daily thing. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Not tonight, not later, but right now. Today. Encouragement happens in the now. Right now. In other words, this is what this means. Watch this. When the Holy Spirit gives you a word for somebody... And it's encouraging, go give it to them now. Right now. You say, well, they're not right here in front of me. Call them. Go to their house. Write them a letter. Encouragement happens in the now. Very good. It says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, make us a Barnabas church. Make us a Barnabas church, God. Make us a church of encouragers, a church of encouragement. May this be a place where people can come, God, that are down, that are downcast, 
that God are on E, on empty. People that can come to God, a place where God, if they're discouraged, if they're disappointed, if they're depressed, God, they can find a people that will lift them up. They can find a people that God fill them. They can find a people that stands alongside them. In Jesus' name. And I want to hear a powerful amen. That was good. The most discouraging thing for a pastor in a church is to see people be a ball hog. It's to see people hog up the attention, the encouragement that the body of Christ puts out. Passing the ball is fundamental in basketball. Passing along encouragement is fundamental in the church. But there's always on the basketball court some noob that gets the ball and thinks from the half-court line they can sink it. You ever play with a noob? It's like, oh, they got the ball again. They're not going to pass it. Oh, I can make it. I can make it. And it's a brick. It misses the net. It misses the backboard. Flies out into the street. You're chasing the ball now. Pass the ball, noob. Over time, ball hogs with encouragement expect others to always pass along to them encouragement. And then they take the shot. They don't pass it to anyone else. Encouragement is our duty as a believer. Not passing the ball and encouraging others is being a ball hog in a sin. The art of the pass is what I'm talking about this morning. Passing along encouragement. And i got a couple of points for you here. Number one, before you pass, get your ball from the ref. Listen, 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 listen. If you are so dependent upon those 15 other people to make sure your gas tank is full of encouragement, you are going to be severely disappointed in life. Your source is not man. Your source is not people. Your source is not the pastor. Your source is the Holy Spirit, the living God, the ref. You get your encouragement first from the Lord. Most people think the ball we must pass always comes from other players. People may pass the ball, but they cannot produce the ball. The source of the ball in any basketball game comes from a ref. It comes from a ref. Thinking that people produce the ball leads to some bondages. I want to list them for you here. Watch this. Approval addiction. Are you getting this? My source is people. That will lead to approval addiction. There's the next one. The need to please. Affirmation dependency. Am I doing good? Am I doing good? Am I doing good? Give me a pat on the back. Give me a pat on the back. Ooh, that feels good. That feels good. I must be doing good. Needing constant praise from people leads to you being manipulated. There's a spirit behind that, and it's almost witchcraft. Listen very carefully. Manipulation is not of the Lord. It's not of God. And needing people's constant praise and approval will lead you to bondage. God doesn't want that for you. The origin and source of encouragement is the Lord, not people. And here's the trap. If you let it be people, Satan may send you some people that may encourage you to start playing for the other team. Happens all the time. They're telling me exactly what I want to hear. This feels so good. I do need to leave my spouse. This feels so good. I, I, I know the church says it's a sin. I know it's not in the Bible, but, but this feels so good. I finally got some friends. I finally got some people that really understand me and love me. I guess it's okay to go party and go do that and go quit this. and That's okay. That's fine for me. 
the devil will make sure you have plenty of encouraging people to come your way and tell you what you want to hear. And soon you'll be shooting at the wrong end of the court. We can pass along encouragement as players, but we don't produce that ball. The guy in the striped shirt with the whistle officiates the game. Trust the ref to produce the ball. He hands you the ball and the play begins. He blows a whistle and once you get the ball from him, you can now, you can now pass it. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6, it really helps me understand this. David understood that encouragement comes from who? As a source. Come on, wake up here. The Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6 says this, And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in who? David encouraged himself in who? The Lord his God. Let me give you the background of the story of what happened. They went off to fight a battle. While they were away to fight a battle, the enemy came in and killed all of their wives and their children and burnt the land. And they were ready to kill David for the decision to go off to war that God had called him to do in the first place. How many of you know, sometimes you've got to do the right thing and suffer the consequences. Not everybody's always going to stand around and give you praise for doing the right thing. Sometimes you've got to do the right thing and people are going to go, boo, boo. Do it anyway. The Word of God says to do it, you do it. David was sitting there, and what did he do? He said, oh, fellas, oh, fellas, don't be so mad at me. Come on, fellas, turn it around, turn it around. They'd have killed him for that wimpy stuff. No, the Bible says in the light of that calamity, of all hell breaking loose in his life, you know what he did? He went to the Lord and encouraged himself in the Lord. There are going to be moments in your life where people abandon you. And all you're going to have left is Jesus And if you abandon Jesus because people abandon you, you are going to be left comfortless. Things aren't going to turn around that way. Sometimes God will lead you to a moment where you're all alone with just Him, and that is just dandy. That's good for you occasionally. Because you begin to realize your source, your source of encouragement is Christ alone. It's in Christ. It's in Jesus. Sometimes you play the game and it's almost as if you're invisible to your own players. Sometimes you need encouragement from others, but they're not there to pass you the ball. Ever play a game of basketball and it's just like you got picked last? Remember? We're picking everybody out and you got picked last? What's this mean? You're not going to get past the ball a whole lot. That's what that means. That's what it means, okay? And as you're playing the game, it's almost like you're not even there. You go on the offense, you're going to the bucket, you're not getting the ball. Hey, hey, oh, 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 here, here, I'm open, I'm open. You still don't get the ball. It's almost as if you're invisible. You know people who do that to you from time to time? There was a moment in my life as a kid that I played a little game. We had a family reunion. I wanted to know if I mattered. So I hid at a family reunion. I hid for four hours at a family reunion. I hid underneath the couch. I was trapped under that couch later. I couldn't get out. But there was no way I was immediately going to tell everybody that I was hiding from them and trapped under the couch. During that time, I began to sob and cry, and I began to think to myself, obviously nobody really loves me. They love the devil eggs more than they love Glenn. I'm trapped under this couch right now. Nobody's come looking for me. Nobody even cares that I'm gone right now. The whole thing backfired on me. 
Sooner or later, my mom heard my crying and my uncles came in and lifted the couch off me and I was free. Some of you, you're hiding from other people hoping that people will rush to your aid. Somehow they're going to find you. Somehow they're going to just know that you need to be past the ball. And I want to tell you here this morning, they are not the Holy Spirit. They don't know. If you want, hey, if you want a little oil, you got to squeak. You got to squeak. Squeaky whale gets the oil. You got to tell us. You got to say, here. And then when a timeout's called, you got to come together and say, hey, will you pass me the ball? I was open. Yeah, next time. And if it don't happen, hey, will you pass me the ball? Squeak. Say you're open. It'll come your way. But until then, trust who? Trust who? God. Don't go running off from church because 15 people didn't go looking for you underneath the couch. We do that kind of goofy stuff all the way into our 50s and 60s. We can all use some encouragement, but hiding and hoping people will find us is not going to pay off. It's immature, watch this, to expect a pass from another player every time that you're open for one. Maturity is this. Maturity equals choosing to believe God's promises are greater than the problem I'm going through. In other words, it's not God's people are greater than the problem I'm going through. It's God's promises are greater than the problem I'm going through. And I'm mature enough to trust the promises. As long as I see myself as the victim, I'll never be the victor. Sometimes it it takes the ref to come along and stop the game, blow the whistle, set you on the foul line, and hand you the ball. Wait till it happens. Be patient. He'll do it. He'll do it. Trust in the ref. Here's the next one. Look for the potential open person. As soon as you get the ball, what do you do? Look for someone open with it. Pass right away. Pass right away. Here's what we do. We get a little bit of encouragement. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to take it right here now. All three or four of you are open. I don't care. You're closer to the back bucket. I don't care. I'm going to take it right here and now. I feel so good. I got a little bit of encouragement. I got just a little. I, feel, I finally feel better in the Lord. I'm going to go off and do something. That's not the time to shoot. It's the time to pass it along. It's the time to... It's your seed. You don't live off your seed. You don't eat your seed. You... You plant your seed. You live off of it. Man, you know this setting clocks back and setting clocks forwards of the devil? Satan designed that whole system. Because this is a good message this morning. I'm coming home. You know, the people that you're supposed to pass to don't always look open for a pass. And here's the deal. Many times the enemy is standing in front of them. If we're not careful, we'll be more consumed with the fact that the enemy's all over them. And we'll start looking at what the enemy's doing in their life all over them instead of seeing the person behind the enemy that's about to be free. That's about to be open for a move of God, for some encouragement. And we say to ourselves, you know what? There's no way that I'm going to take what little blessing and encouragement I have and invested in you right now, you got the enemy all over you. You got the opposing team all over you, man. Once you get free, I'll pass you the ball. Doesn't work that way. You see in basketball, the pass comes just as the person's running for it. 
And you, it's almost an act of faith to begin to invest in somebody. You know, you can run the risk of doing that. What if the ball gets stolen? Sometimes it will. You'll get the ball back. Pass again. Pass along some encouragement in their life. We're tempted, though. We begin to get critical. We begin to think as players, you know what? I'm not going to pass to them right now. Their life is a mess. I'm not going to bless them right now. Their life is a mess. I was working in a factory one time, and God sincerely spoke to my heart, laid an impression on my heart to pay uh, a person's light bill. Now, I know, I know that I know that I know this person had problems paying their bill over and over again. And here's the thought that occurred to me. How can it be God to tell me to go and pay this person's light bill when this person obviously has a problem with money management? Ever thought like that before? I mean, they're just going to take it and next month they're going to be back to a... I don't know if they'll be back to a light bill or not. What has God called you to do in the moment? Pass. How will that set them up like dominoes for eternity? I don't know. But in that moment, God is saying pass. In that moment, God is saying give. In that moment, God is saying invest. Do it. Do it. Don't be critical. Anybody can point out what's wrong. The world is full of people who think that they're superheroes. That's at finding fault. They have a superhero skill at finding fault in other people. I call them Captain Obvious people. They are superheroes of the obvious. Captain Obvious. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Captain Obvious. I am here to point out what is obviously wrong with you. Congratulations, Captain Obvious. Aha, look, a flaw. Ooh, now I see it. I've spotted another weakness in you. <laughs> You've made another mistake. Da, 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 da. You are not perfect after all. My name is Captain Obvious, and I fly into your life with everything that's wrong. There is nothing super about that at all. Anybody can do that. Any goober with a mind, any monkey can point out what's wrong and what's not there. It takes the real superheroes to begin to see the potential in the people around us. When we pass, we're looking for potential open people, not people that are completely open, potentially open. And I've got good news here for you today. God doesn't see you covered by the enemy. God sees you the other way around. Michelangelo saw it this way. When he began to carve sculptures, he said this, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. God sees the angel and the potential person in you, and he's carving in your life until you are free. And if we're not careful, we'll see you covered. We'll see you wrapped up in stone, jagged edges, rough edges, and we won't see the opportunity, the beautiful opportunity to pass something along into your life. God wants us to overcome that critical spirit and pass anyway. To encourage people, don't focus on the obvious. The obvious is all about the now. Begin to focus on future potential. There was a guy in the New Testament that did just that. His name was Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Barney was a cool cat. Barney had things together. Barnabas 
His name meant son of encouragement. That's what he was in the New Testament. That's exactly what he did. There was a dispute in one moment between Paul and Silas over John Mark. John Mark was a brand new missionary. He was a young man that they were bringing on the mission trips with them. And you see, John Mark went on the first trip with Paul. He went on the first trip with Silas. And in the middle of that trip, throughout Eurasia, building churches, he bugged out and quit and went home. John Mark dropped the ball. Dropped it. They completed the missionary trip and went back home. They started another one. And this time, Paul said, there's no way I'm taking that John Mark. He's a ball dropper. He can't can't carry the ball. If I pass him the ball, he'll just go back home. And it took Barnabas to come along and say, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's still potential. There's still potential. Let's believe. Let's believe that God has got John Mark open this time, and let's take him. And you know what the Apostle Paul did? He said no. Now before you go thinking that Paul was perfect in the New Testament, he wasn't. And before you go thinking that you're better than the Apostle Paul, you're not because you've quit on a lot of people, and so have I. Come on. You have. You've left some people home for dropping the ball. You're not going to do that to me again. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, Jack. You do that to me, I ain't taking you. You bugged out, you went home, you punked out. Boy, I tell you what, you're staying home this time. Paul said, you're not going. Barnabas says, yes, he is. I still believe in him. And so Barnabas took John Mark on a missionary journey, and Paul took Silas. And they went out, and they began to build churches together. And you know what happened? John Mark turned out okay. He actually wrote part of the New Testament. Actually, it turned everything around. It took a guy like Barnabas to pass the ball into somebody's life that was covered. And it worked. You say, does it always work? No, but it's worth, it's worth a pass. It's worth a pass. I want you to think of some of your kids right now. They're still worth a pass. They're still worth a pass. I want you to think of some of your friends that you've given up on. They're still worth a pass. I want you to think of this community. It's still worth a pass. What is our nickname as a church? Are we a Barnabas church or do we give up on people right away? If friends gave us a nickname, would it be encouragement? Would we, would we be called the sons and daughters of encouragement or not? If we're not encouragers, we're ball hogs. And ball hogs are stingy people. Stingy people are not encouragers. 